Well, we're going to continue on in our discussion today in Galatians. Remember, we've been going through Galatians, and the whole purpose of the Galatian letter is that Paul was concerned that they had allowed themselves to be deceived so soon, right after he was there, sharing with them about salvation, establishing the church. But they had had these folks come who came alongside of them and said, okay, it's good to have faith in Jesus, but you also need to do these other things as well. In fact, what they were encouraging them to do at that time was to become Jews, basically be circumcised and to keep the law. And these were Gentiles, and, and of course they were confused. They obviously, Paul had heard about this, maybe some folks there had sent a letter to him, and he responds back to them with this letter that we have called the letter to the Galatians. And you remember, he starts out the letter, not like his other letters, gives them the central greeting, and then normally he would start out with a prayer of thanksgiving for them, but he doesn't do that in this letter. He starts out by referring to them as foolish, and that they have allowed themselves to be deceived by another gospel. And to be honest with you folks, we found that we sometimes can find ourselves in the very same trap here as well. So again, I would just want to reflect on it. You know, in April, April I'll be here 20 years officially as your pastor. April's a significant month for me because 35 years ago in April, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. I was a student at the University of South Carolina, got saved, went to a little bitty Baptist, independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And I remember very clearly understanding the gospel and giving my life to Jesus, but nobody came alongside of me to show me what it is to live the Christian life necessarily. And so I went to church and I just kind of was assumed that I would just pick it up from everyone else. And what I picked up was what Bible to carry, how to dress, how long my hair shouldn't be, get rid of the beard. Obviously, I'm rebelling against that now, right? Uh, you know, and, and things like that. And, and, and if you weren't doing those things, then there's something wrong with you. You're not right with God. God's not happy with you. The problem is, it took me 13 years to realize that that was all wrong. Just as there is nothing I can do for salvation, there is nothing that I can do to continue to have his acceptance towards me. It's all was done by who? Jesus on the cross. And that's what he's been talking about here. And he's been going through that up until this point. And so today he's going to reiterate it even more. He's going to talk about the fact that you and I are no longer cursed. No longer cursed. What do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's take a look together. If we're going to look at verse 10 through 14. Very important portion of scripture. I hope you will understand it as we go through it together. Let's look together and see what Paul is saying here to the Galatians. Look at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. 
but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now here's what we're going to see, folks. We're going to look at this whole issue of being cursed. Now we're going to divide these verses into two sections. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12, and we're going to see that if you decide that it's your efforts and it's the stuff that you do that allows you to gain acceptance with God, you're destined for defeat. We're going to see that in the first section. Did you hear what I said? If you are under the perception that it's the stuff that you do that gains favor with God and your acceptance with him, you're destined for defeat. You're going to see that in the first section. And then in the second section, which is verses 13 through 14, we're going to see the freedom of faith. That you are, and I are actually freed through Jesus. So we're going to look at this today. So let's take a look. First of all, we're going to look at the whole issue of being destined for defeat. Now notice what he says in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I'm going to focus on two, four things here in this whole section. We're going to see two things in verse 10. First of all, those who focus on their efforts are cursed. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement. In particular, with the Galatians, he's talking about those who are focused on the law, keeping the Old Testament law, being circumcised, holding to the new moons, holding to the festivals, holding to the dietary restrictions that the Jews held to. He's basically saying to them, to the Galatians, look, if you feel that this is what you are doing, you are cursed. If we move forward 2,000 years to where we are today here in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, if you are feeling today that it's your church attendance, your service, your gifts in the offering, other things that are necessary, that you feel are necessary for you to be accepted by God, to have his goodness show up in your life, to have him answer certain prayers, if it's, if it's you're under that concept that it's your devotional time and how much time you spend with the Lord that causes you to be in a good relationship with him, basically he's saying it's your efforts, you are cursed, you're placing yourself into a cursed situation. And he's going to explain that as we go further along. Because you might be saying, what do you mean? I mean, I, I kind of think that way, George. If I don't have my devotional time, then I feel like things aren't right. Well, you know what? They're not right in the relationship, but if you think that God has changed in his perception of you, you're cursed. 
Because God's perception of you isn't based upon you. God's perception of you is based upon what Jesus did on the cross. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not based upon how much many verses you spent that day, how long you were in prayer, how much you gave in the offering, if you gave in the offering, how many times you come to church. We want you to come to church. Let me just say that again. You come to church not to gain acceptance with God. You come to church because God accepts you. Did you understand? It comes out of the acceptance. You know, I spent time with Lori because, not because she loves me, but because of the love. Did you understand what I'm saying? Those who focus on efforts are cursed. Now, the second thing we're going to see here in this verse that kind of helps us to understand is, here's the thing. Failure to do everything results in condemnation. Throughout the New Testament, it is made very clear that nobody can keep the Old Testament law perfectly. There's just no way for anyone to keep the law perfectly. So if you have entered into your mind that you're going to do the perfect thing by keeping all of God's laws, you can't do it. I would go on to say to you, if you're here and you're operating under this concept that it's how many times I come to church or how many much I give in the offering or how much time I spend in, in, in God's word in the morning or in prayer and everything, and it's, it's all of that. The fact of the matter is, is you can't do it. Why? Because life happens. What do you mean life happens? Hello, parents. Ever had a kid wake up in the middle of the night sick? How were you feeling the next morning? Whoo, ready for my devotions. No, clawing around for that cup of coffee, right? And hoping that they didn't use up all the hot water in the shower so you could soak your head. Right? Isn't that what happens? Oh, by the way, Perfect attendance? So you come and you're sick? By the way, we don't want you to come if you're sick, right? We, we believe in sharing here, but not that. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? There's no way to do it. You can't gain favor with God because there's no way to be perfect. Stuff happens in life. And you're going to fail. That's the reality, right? No one is perfect. No one. So failure to do everything results in condemnation. Now do you understand why you're cursed? Now do you understand why he says that the person who tries to live their life by laws or codes to gain acceptance with God is cursed? Because the fact of the matter is what? You can't do it. It's not possible. Go on now to verse 11. Look at what he says. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Here's what I want you to see. Effort cannot justify you before God. Effort cannot justify you before God. You ever heard, heard, ever heard somebody say, I've got to prove myself? 
I've got to prove myself at work. I've got to prove myself with my dad, or I've got to prove myself in this situation. And so people put forth the effort to prove themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've said the same thing, okay? I'm going to tell you right now, it is virtually impossible for you to prove yourself with God. Do you want to know why? You're already starting out on the wrong foot. What do you mean starting out on the wrong foot? You already started out on the wrong foot because you're a sinner. And you sin. Which the Lord, what? Hates. Despises. Seeks to judge. Condemns. You already started out on the wrong foot. So no amount of effort, because that's what people are saying, well, my good deeds outwork my bad deeds. No, you don't understand. Your bad deeds are so bad, your good deeds can't even measure up. You can't prove yourself. You cannot justify yourself before God. So, I, I, listen, you do devotions not to justify yourself before God. You do devotions because you want to spend time with God. Do you understand the difference? You don't justify yourself by coming to church. You come to church because you want to be with God's people. You want God to speak with you. You want to commune with him. You want to worship him. Different thing. Do you understand? You serve not because you want God to do the right thing for you. You serve because he's done the right thing for you. And it's a heart of gratitude where it flows out of towards him. Do you understand? There's a difference. But by my goodness, so many people, as soon as something bad happens, first thing that utters out of the mouth, oh, I know if I have gone more, if I prayed more, this wouldn't have happened. No, it happened because that's life. Not because you didn't do all that other effort stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've told you, it's like, it's like you with your kids. God will bless you because you're his child. He's there for you. You know what? I do things for my kids because I love them, not because, like I told you last week, they take out the garbage or clean their room. By the way, we're still waiting for them to clean their rooms, okay? Did you know what I mean? Effort cannot justify you before God. That's the point he's making here. But see, how, how isn't it? Isn't it true that, boy, I think many times of how defeated I was as a young man who was newly saved in a church because I didn't do the right things or go to the right places or you know what I'm saying, or give enough, or show up all the time. Do you know what I mean? Because somebody was adding to the gospel. That's what the issue is, adding to the gospel. Because what's the gospel? Jesus paid it all in spite of me. Do you understand? Jesus paid it all in spite of me. All right, so here's one final thing we're going to see from these verses. Go down to verse 12. Look at what he says. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Here's the final thing I want you to see about this curse of doing everything by effort. Here's the curse. Here's what I want you to see. Effort only enslaves you. Listen, 
if you measure your Christian life by how regular your attendance is here at the church, if you measure your Christian life by how much you're giving in an offering, if you measure your Christian life by how much you volunteer at the church or how often you show up every time we have an activity, if you measure your Christian life by how often you do your devotions or how consistent you do your devotions, I'm going to tell you right now, you have placed yourself into a spiritual bondage. Well, wait a minute now, George, hold on, aren't those all good things? Yes, they're all good things, but you can enslave yourself in good things. Do you understand? Why? Because he's already showed you that you can't be perfect in them. And because you can't be perfect in them, those things will what? Especially if you use it as the measure of your walk with God and who you are in your spirituality, they will defeat you. And you will find yourself trapped in an endless cycle of defeat. Is it any wonder that when you look at a lot of people in church today, they're actually defeated? They have a concept in the back of their mind that God looks at them as if they were wayward children. And he can't bless them because they didn't, quote, do enough. That's bondage, folks. And some of you here are in bondage. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus didn't die for you to be in bondage. He died so that you could have life. And that's what we're going to see now with the whole issue of the freedom of faith. Because the exact opposite of living a life by effort is living a life by faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's living your life by faith. Out of faith you come to church. Out of faith you give. Out of faith you do your devotions. Out of faith you have a relationship with him because of what he has done for you, right? It's not because of your efforts. So let's talk about this whole aspect of freedom of faith. Let's look at those two verses. Look at verse 13 and 14. I just want to read them again to refresh ourselves before we look at them. Look at what he says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We're going to see four things here. And I hope God speaks to you through them. Okay? Here's the first one. Jesus freed us from our bondage. You know, our English trans translation used the, uses the word redeemed. Now, some of you ladies understand redeem because of, you know, redemption certificates or something. You know, when you buy something and you can redeem something, redeem a coupon. You guys know that, right? Okay. The only time I know about redeeming is when I go buy tires and they want to give me $70 back. Redemption, right? But that's not what the word is here. 
the word here actually means something completely different. It means to be purchased from a slave market and set free. See, you and I were in bondage before, spiritual bondage. The spiritual bondage of sin, the reason why we were in the spiritual bondage of sin is because we kept breaking God's law, right? And so because of that, we were cursed to death. Because we kept breaking and we're in an endless cycle as an unsafe person, endless cycle of sinning against God. And so Jesus comes along and he breaks that curse that is against us. He breaks that bondage because he purchased you from the slave markets of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. Here. He freed you from your bondage. That's what salvation is, right? He freed you from the bondage. But isn't it interesting how quickly we put ourselves back into a bondage? Kind of reminds me of the story. You know, I grew up in the South, and, you know, the stories are in the South that after the Civil War, you know, during the Emancipation Proclamation that Abraham had proclaimed during the war, and when the war ended, they were told, the Union soldiers would tell the slaves, you know, you're free. You're free. Oh, that's great. But they went right back to work for their masters because they didn't know any better. Isn't that true for us as believers? We've been freed from the bondage, but we've placed ourselves right back into another type of spiritual bondage, trying to gain God's acceptance, right? When we can't. So Jesus freed us from the bondage. Here's the second thing I want you to see. He paid our debt with his life on the cross. See, this is how he was able to, to purchase us. This is how he was able to redeem us because the scripture says he became the curse. He took on our penalty. He took on what was due to us. See, do you understand when you think about the sin that you and I have committed, there's a lot of things that even in my 54 years of existence, I regret. Wish I could go back and change. I think that's true for every single one of us here. Jesus took that all on him. The scripture says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He took the curse upon him. Let's see how, that's how he bought you, is he took your place. He took my place. Did you understand what I'm saying? He took your place, he took my place to free us from the bondage. The endless cycle of defeat. The cycle that was headed to our going to hell. He took that upon him. He paid our debt with his life on the cross. That's reality. Sometimes I don't think we realize that. We just trivialize that. Oh, I can do whatever I'm forgiven. No, no, you don't understand. You're free because somebody died for you. Don't trivialize that. That's what he's saying here. He goes on, verse 14, and he tells us exactly why he did it. 
This is what the freedom of faith is. This is why it was done for you. Look at the, look at the next thing, verse 14. He says this, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing. Look over here. He did this so that you would experience the blessing of Abraham. You guys know what the blessing of Abraham is? Forget what you hear on TV. Forget that. Okay? Here's what the, you know, because you hear the guys on TV, that means a fat wallet and, and health. No, no, he didn't promise you that here. Okay? By the way, money will mean nothing in heaven when they pave, when the asphalt of heaven is gold. Think about that. Okay? Money means nothing in heaven. But what is the blessing of, blessing of Abraham? Remember what he said to Abraham? Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east and the west. I give that all to you. It's the promises he gave to Abraham. You and I, as the church, we will share in those promises. The promises of the scripture for the children of God, we get to share in that. Why? Because we've been set free. Do you understand? We have something more than here. I find today that Christians are living for here. Why are you living for here? This is a garbage can compared to what's going on. I remember hearing a song years ago by a Christian singer by the name of Keith Green when I was a young man, and he was introducing a song, and he talked about how God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And he says, man, when you consider he's been preparing a home for us for 2,000 years, this is a garbage can compared to what awaits us. I thought that was a good point. But that's what people are living for today is here, right? No, no, live. You got to look beyond here to what? The promise of what's coming. And he did it so that, and notice what it says in the text here. Look at verse 14. He did it for who specifically? It begins with the word G. What is it? For who? Gentiles. Now, who are Gentiles, folks? Yeah, us. Because remember, before Jesus and the cross, did you have any part in the promise of Abraham? No. But because of Jesus, you share in the promise. That in itself should be enough. That in itself, man, he has set me free from this bondage. He's allowed me to share the promises that are to come. Wow. Yeah, but it doesn't end there. Look at what he says, why he paid your price on the cross. Look at what it says, verse 14. I'll read that last part. Look at what it says. This is awesome. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through, what's the word there, folks? Faith. Here's what he did. Here's what he did. He did this so that you could experience the Holy Spirit by faith. Now, as soon as I say that, some what does that mean? Again, you've been watching too much TV. So oftentimes you, we allow the, quote, the people on TV to dictate our doctrine for us. That's not exactly what's in the Bible. When you talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit, you're not talking about some crazy thing you saw on TV. But rather, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do in your life. What does he do in my life? Well, let me just kind of go through it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it talks about the Holy Spirit being my seal 
Seal, what does that do? He's sealing your salvation for when you go to be with him. Talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 14, that he's my seal. That means he's within me. It also means that he's my guarantee. Guarantee for what? Does everybody understand what a guarantee is? Now, I know that we get lifetime guarantees with everything, but that's only lifetime of the company, not your product, okay? Guarantee of you going to what? Heaven. We also know from John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, when he talks about the helper who would come, the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, what did he say that the comforter, the helper would do? He would what? Teach you. Teach you what? About Jesus. About God's word. Give you understanding. He also would what? Lead you. Guide you. Come over to Galatians chapter 5. You talk about the Holy Spirit and what he does in your life. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit produce in your life? Some experience? No, 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 no. No, the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, brotherly love, kindness. I mean, it goes on, right? You see, the blessing of the Spirit is what? That he changes you. Now, let me ask you something. We brought this up last week. When you go back to verses 1 through 9 of Galatians, he said, did you re receive the work of the Spirit by effort or by faith? Is it because of your effort that the Spirit does these things? No. What does it say right here in verse 14? It's because of what? Faith. Faith in who, folks? Yourself? No, faith in Jesus. What Jesus has done for you, Right? Why have we been so deceived? So many of us are living in defeat because we're not living up to what somebody told us that we should be doing as a Christian. And that's why God's not showing his favor at you. Folks, God shows favor to you. You just live in a world that's messed up. And everybody's going through it. It's not because you don't have enough faith. So quit putting yourself in bondage. You're only cursed when you do that. Right? You're only cursed. You do it because of faith, because of love, because of what he's done for you. So let me give you two things to think about as we wrap this up, okay? As we wrap up our message today. Two things. Number one, recognize that the bondage you find yourself in by seeking acceptance with God. Recognize the bondage that you find yourself in by seeking acceptance with God. If you're here and you have convinced yourself, and this is how it typically happens. Let me give you the, let me give you the, the incident that usually takes place in people's lives. I've seen it through the years of pastoring, okay? Because I've seen the people who walk in here, and they come because of there's something going on in their life, and they have convinced themselves, well, if I start getting back to church, 
Or maybe you come to church, but you've decided, well, if I start doing my devotions more, or if I give enough, or here's what happens, if I volunteer enough, then maybe God will help me in my problem. God, you're saying I'm doing this. Can you help me with my problem? You say, are you, are you kidding me, George? People think that way a whole lot more than you realize. Because somehow in their mind, they're thinking it's God's favor, God's doing something for them is based upon what they're doing. I'm going to tell you right now, it is bondage. Because you can't do enough. And think about it for a moment. Do you really think that impresses him? Oh, oh wow. Wow, he, he went to everything at the church in February. Isn't that awesome? No, it's not. Recognize the bondage you find yourself in. Why is it a bondage? Because the fact of the matter is, is no matter how hard you try to do all of those things, can you really do it right the whole time? No. No. No, not at all. No way possible. You're always going to fail. You hear me? You're always going to fail. You need me to write that down on the paper. You are always going to fail if you try to do stuff to gain favor with God. Nobody is perfect except one, Jesus. Do you understand me? So you've got to recognize the bondage you find yourself in by seeking acceptance with God. So here's the second thing I want you to see. It comes out of the passage. Embrace the freedom that Jesus paid for and the Spirit's work in your life. You've got to embrace that freedom. Embrace the freedom that Jesus paid for. You and I have been set free by what, folks? You've been set free by Jesus' sacrifice. So you need to embrace that. And then number one, emb second, embrace what? The Spirit's work in your life. Let Him do His work in your life. And He changes you. Now, does He do it instantly? <laughs> no. 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 You know, when I got saved at uh, when I was 19 years old, 1985, there were some sins that I gave up immediately. I gave up the drinking. I gave up smoking. It took a year for the smoking. Gave up the language immediately. But I'm going to tell you something. There are still some things from 35 years ago. He's still working on me today. They're not just as obvious as those other things. There are things in my character. There are things in my inside of who I am. Do you understand? I think if you realize that in your own life, you would know that's true, right? Embrace the freedom and let the Spirit do the work in your life. That's, that's the issue. And your life will change the way you look at church. Your life will change when you look at the way the Christian life is. 
I can say this because I came from there. I've had many talks with friends that through the years, I think back to being in that little bitty church. There were some happy times there, but there was also one word that keeps popping up into my brain. Bondage. It was also a bondage of striving to do to be something that was totally impossible to reach. And that only resulted in defeat. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus didn't die for you to, to, to have that experience. In fact, isn't that what we say when we baptize people? Buried in the likeness of his death, meaning we die with him. Raised to what? Walk in what, folks? Newness of life, which is what? A life of freedom, not bondage. You were free from the bondage. That's my prayer for you. The curse has been removed. Why would you put yourself back in it? Let me pray for you.